So we brought it to a beach, um, set it up the first time. There's a line of 20 kids waiting to play it. And that's when we knew we had a product that would, you know, would soon take over the sports world. Welcome to Willing to Fail. I'm your host, Peyton Bennett. And today's guest is an entrepreneur, one of the founders of CrossNet. You may have seen this game on the beaches in San Diego or in Southern California or in Miami. It's basically a four square version of volleyball. And Greg Mead, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for being on here. So now CrossNet's pretty big. You guys did over $2 million in sales in 2019. You're on pace for 10 to $15 million in sales this year. But before we get into CrossNet, I'm more curious of kind of your backstory. You grew up in a, like a small farm town in Connecticut. How do you think that upbringing or who in your, in your family, like your brother, your parents, really molded you into the driven entrepreneur you are today? Yeah, so growing up in, in a small like farm town like that, is, it makes you want to get out of it and, and leave it, and essentially. So um, being able to, to go out to New York City, Boston, go to like concerts on the weekend, um, I want to constantly be able to do that and, and be free and be able to do that whenever I can, however I can, um, you know, and you need money to do that. So being an entrepreneur in, in the woods, it gives you actually a peace of mind and lets you relax and hop on your computer all day and, and just grind it out on your phone. Um, definitely being surrounded by some good friends, my brother, Chris, and having a great, wonderful mom who, you know, would let me step over some boundaries sometimes and, and allow me to do whatever I, whatever I need to do to, you know, accomplish things. Gotcha. So you said it was, you're in business now with your brother and you said another business partner, you guys all grow up together, same age. Yeah. My yeah. Other, other, other partner, Mike, um, he grew up at our rival high school. So we played each other, uh, sorry, middle school. We played each other in middle school sports. And then we ended up going to high school together, become best friends, um, playing sports together. And then after he was done graduating, he came hit me up and he's like, let's, let's create CrossNet. Like, oh, well, let's create, a, create a something together. Um, we came up with CrossNet within a day and um, the rest was history from there. Gotcha. So, so before we get into that, I'm kind of curious if, if there was other business ventures, which I know you had some other business ventures before CrossNet, but even before that, just like in high school, it seems like a lot of entrepreneurs, they do, they're always doing something to like make some extra money in school. Was there anything like you and your friends were doing at that time? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of social media stuff. So I would do a lot of like black hat underground social media, um, selling, buying pages. I would own pages, million followers, um, Twitter accounts. Uh, so I would run, I guess, underground social media stuff. So I knew how to really advertise and get, and get products that moving and I might as well just do it for myself. Yeah, I guess, especially if you're in like a small farm town, it's like, all right, I got to be on the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what, uh, as a student, I mean, I'm sure you're like interested in marketing and stuff like later on the road in college, but like in high school, were you like studious? Were you a good student? Were you smart or just didn't care? I was pretty average. I would say it definitely wasn't like the smarter. I wasn't in the AP classes or anything like that. Definitely more on the, the lower side. <laughs> um, that's not because I wasn't, you know, good at learning and everything it's just I, that school wasn't really um my cup of tea yeah. compared to like my brother or my other partner they love school so um it didn't really I couldn't really focus as much as the other students <laughs> gotcha so sp speaking of not loving school so after high school you went to college for a little bit before deciding to drop out to pursue ventures but when you dropped out that wasn't to do cross night right off the bat was it no it, it wasn't no I dropped out to do social media stuff I was already making um, some good money. So I decided to scale it. Uh, just school wasn't for me. I had, a, I had like a semester left. Uh, definitely 
I should probably graduate from my mom, but uh, <laughs> it seems like CrossFit's going well. Yeah, I think you're all right. What, um, so at that time of dropping out, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was like, maybe from your mom or from other people telling you like, maybe you shouldn't do it, maybe you should finish. Maybe there's other people telling you that you should. Was there like, what was that decision-making process to finalize? But like, was it an easy decision because you were already making good money or was it a tough back and forth? Yeah, so I think at that point, I had like a semester left and I was back home with my, on my mom's crib and I would have to go back and like commute to school. And like, I didn't even have money for gas to do that. So like, <laughs> I couldn't even do that, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I've had hundreds of people say, yeah, go back to school, stop doing what you're doing. But I, I don't listen, I've never listened to any of them. <laughs> Just continue to grind on, on what my projects were at the time and, and they've all came to life so far. Gotcha. So was the main reason to drop out to give yourself more time to pursue those projects? Or was it like, man, I've been looking for an excuse to drop out and I finally got one? Probably. Yeah, that was definitely option two there. <laughs> school, school wasn't for me. So. Gotcha. So before you did CrossNet, you're doing all this like social media stuff, which I'm sure you learned a lot, which helped build CrossNet so quickly. What, um, and I'm looking at your, kind of your timeline and correct me if I'm wrong. So back in like in high school, you and your brother started a film production company called Seamead? Yeah, we just film stupid stuff. Other p kids like rap videos or whatever it may be, photos, and um, just collect some easy, quick cash for cheap. Gotcha. But I'm sure like just doing that film stuff, I mean, you guys have really high quality videos for CrossNet ads and like for whatever you're, you guys are doing. What did you, what is something you learned from that that you think you took from that's benefited the, uh, your success in CrossNet? Um, from that one, I'd say, on, have other people do it for you. Um, yeah. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time uh, focusing on it because there's better people than you doing it. We have one of our best friends that shoots for us and another great friend of ours um, that have been our primary shooters uh, for videos and photos for the last three years across it. And he travels with us all the time. Um, so we have a pretty good uh, team. Basically just teaching you to delegate, huh? Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, because it looks like the timeline I have written out for you, it looks like 2017 is when things really started moving. So at the beginning of that year, that's when you were helping your friend with the marketing of Jersey champs. What is, uh, what is something you learned from the experience of doing the online marketing on that? That was like, all right, now I can use this to do cross net. Yeah. Just scale it heavy. If you have a product that, you know, um, people want scale it, push it out to, to influencers, give, give product away for free. Um, if they like it, they're going to post it and, and return it for free. And then that's something I've taken away from, you know, from Sean's tactics is it's amazing. Yeah. I saw you guys had like, he had like a picture with uh, like Mark Cuban holding up one of them or something. Yeah. Yeah. He passes his jerseys out all the day. <laughs> gotcha. So when starting a company like that, you have like, obviously it's not that expensive to send like one piece of clothing to one person, but obviously you're doing that a lot. Is that just personal savings that you're using for all that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, bootstraps. <laughs> gotcha. Cool. So then, then we just fast forward to really the beginning of CrossNet, right? Which is in like the beginning of the summer of 2017. So you, your brother and a friend were basically, it's, from what I've seen, it seems like you guys were meeting up with the purpose of trying to come up with a good business idea. Was there any other ideas that were dumb that you were like, uh, no, we don't want to do that one. This one's a better, or like, how did that, the beginning idea, how was it born? Yeah, exactly. So, um, Mike hit me up. He graduated from Northeastern in Boston. Very smart kid. Could get an engineering job for 100K plus off the bat. Um, but he called me up. He's like, hey, Greg, he knew I was doing social media entrepreneur stuff. So uh, called me up. Hey, Greg, let's, let's, let's do something. Let's, let's create something together because I know I can build something. We can sell it, market it. So 
Um, he came over, we watched ESPN for literally 16 hours straight on my mom's couch. We made a list on like our iPad notes or whatever of different products we can make. We were looking on like AliExpress, looking at little gadgets and stuff. And then we came between a wall charger speaker and um, the next beach game, which was ended up being called CrossNet a day later. And we obviously decided CrossNet was more suitable for, for our liking. <laughs> so, so what was the walls, the wall charger speaker? What was that? It was uh, <laughs> it was a, you plug it into the wall and it has a cord. You could charge your phone. And it was also a speaker on the block, the block of it, you know? Gotcha. I think, I think it's yeah. good. You guys went across net. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> All right. So was, I mean, sports is something like a lot of guys are into, and I'm sure that was a common ground between the three of you. Was the reason you guys like trying to come up with like a sports game, was that because it's just something that was in common interest of all three? Or was it something like, this is a passion where I would want to do this like every day. And this is why I want to go down this route. Yeah, definitely. Um, so some clear insight. We're not volleyball players. Me, Mike, or Chris, we play soccer, basketball. Mike loves the golf. I play tennis, um, but we're big. We're all big, pretty uh, basketball advocates. So we're, we're sports enthusiasm, enthusiasts. Um, so we decided to come up with a sports game. We love beach games. We grew up playing can jam together um, from high school on the beach. So that definitely uh, persuaded us to, you know, create the next beach game. All right. So you've, you guys come up with the idea. And then the first thing is to look online and see if anyone's done it. Looks like no one's done it. And then you guys eventually will get a patent for it. What, um, when you originally, like, then the next step is to get a prototype. So what, were, what did the first prototype look like? And what were some of the challenges you had of making that first one? Yeah, it was definitely a bit sloppy, a mess. Um, you know, we have to outsource it. We had long shipping times. So we developed a game. It stood up. But did it really stay up after you started playing on it? No. So you had to go back, recreate it, re remold it. Um, a bit of a process. Took about six months until we finally got a good model a good model that we think we thought we could sell at the time, which, you know, we still updated, we still update to this date, whether it's the stake strings. Um, but it took about six months to finally get a good product. And then after nine months, I'd say we had a really good product. We started selling on online and we started taking pre-orders that winter. Gotcha. So the pre-orders obviously is a good way to just get some money flowing in as you're trying to create inventory. So, and especially in like the social media marketing, which is where you, guys started it i mean is was there ever a fear of like what if this goes viral and then we don't have the money or inventory to keep up with that or was there more of a fear of like what if we put the money in the inventory and then we don't sell it um i don't think it was either i think we all knew we were going to sell it we just didn't know what speed um a problem we did run, run into is that it went viral um and we hit back orders we've had customers angry at us which is which is very unfortunate we're trying to we, we hopefully we fix now i'm moving forward as we have a good team um, but we've ran into delays, back orders. Um, but yeah, that's that's an issue that you don't want to ever run into in business. Gotcha. So when starting a new product too, obviously the test, the interest of like, it's, it seems like a simple idea, especially when you have a prototype to show the picture and some videos of you guys playing. What, um, how did you test out what markets were good and how did you test out what price point was best for it? Yeah, so first question, we brought it to a beach. Um, set it up the first time there's a line of 20 kids waiting to play it and that's when we knew we had a product that would you know soon take over the sports world um, whether it's in a year or 10 years from now um, people don't know what it is and they go up to it they're confused they say hey can I play or they just watch those take photos snapchats Instagram stories um, from there it just goes goes viral within each person's you know network 
Gotcha. So like yeah. looking back, you think that was probably the first moment where you guys all realized like we might actually be onto something here or was there a different moment? No, I think once we first created it, once we first bootstrapped it in my mom's backyard between like our shed and a tree and we bootstrapped like two badminton and that's to make it, and we played it and it was, it was a hell of a time. We, we played, we had invited like three friends over, we played for hours and next step we had to actually make the game. And then once we made it, we set it up, we saw kids play, set up, play with us, you know, they would kick us out and play on our net. <laughs> so when we only had one net um, and, and that's when we knew we had to really hone in on this. Gotcha. So I think like social media has kind of put this like light on entrepreneurs as like this sexy thing that's like flashy and it's all this glitz and glamour, but really it's like bootstrapping is a good term too, but it's really a grind for such a long time where you're not making any money. I saw that you guys weren't profitable for over a year. What was that process like? And was there ever like doubt in your mind or people telling you like, maybe you shouldn't do this. Maybe you guys should have like a more secure job. What was, what was that grind like? Yes. So we didn't become profitable for about over a year. Um, we didn't pull money out for over a year and a half, almost two years. Um, it, it's more when you get into inventory levels, demand, supply, demand. Um, you can't really pull money out because you have to put your money back in unless you have an investment, um, you know, any outside funding. But we didn't have that. We don't have that to date. So we, we bootstrapped it. So we put every dollar we got back into the business um, to eventually get over this hump where you can start, you know, pulling in money for yourself and police, um, which is where we're currently at. Gotcha. Yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs know this and people who want to be entrepreneurs might not is when you're taking that leap of faith and you're doing that and you have hundred percent faith in your idea and you're not taking any money. There's a lot of sacrifices you have to take, whether that's like free time or things you want to buy, you can, or whatever. What are some sacrifices that you had to make at the beginning? That was a tough challenge for you, but it was an easy decision still. Yeah, I guess pulling all the money out of your bank account um, would yeah. be would be the toughest decision. Um, it's either you do it or you don't. Um, a lot of people aren't going to believe in you in the beginning until they start seeing numbers. So bootstrapping 50K to get inventory would have been difficult for, for us. And something, if we did that, maybe it could have went the wrong way. Um, knowing that we had to pay ourselves back with our own money um, probably helped us, you know, motivate us a little more. So, but from an entrepreneur's perspective, you gotta, you gotta take that risk. You have to go over that hump. And once you do, you can just keep pushing and you can't stop. If you, if you stop, you're gonna, you're gonna fail. Have to be willing to fail. <laughs> what, um, so what's at the beginning, what do you think was like the biggest challenge that like took you so long to get over? Was it getting the, like the prototype in the inventory or was it getting like the brand out there or was it something else? Yeah, so, I mean, there's two challenges. It was definitely getting the inventory here on time and then being good to our customers um, well, I mean, in, in regards to shipping times and, and whatnot. Um, we tell customers, oh, we'll be there in two weeks and then it ended up coming in a month and a half. And like, that's the worst feeling because we want our customers to be satisfied at the end of the day and enjoy the product um, from the moment they order it to the put, moment they put it away into their, back into their bag. Yeah. Gotcha. So now you've gone, you started off on just doing selling online and now you're in like every big box retailer, you're in Target, Walmart, on Amazon, you're in Dick's Sporting Goods. What, uh, and now you're even in what I saw over 5,000 schools. So there's literally kids learning how to play this game at a young age. What, do you remember kind of those moments like the first time you saw it in a store, first time the schools were hitting you guys up and what were those moments like? 
Yeah. So the first time we saw it in a store was in Utah. We were on a, like a snowboarding trip and we saw Shields. We're like, oh, we're, we're in Shields. Let's go. Let's go pull up and see what's good. And we had our cameraman with us and he was filming us. And it was crazy. Mike was freaking out. I remember we have it on film. film. Um, but yeah, just seeing it in the box. Our box at the time was like really crappy. It wasn't like a nice box, but it was still amazing feeling knowing um, our box is the shelf of Shields, which is like a huge store out in the Midwest. And then eventually carried on to, you know, um, the exporting goods, which is awesome to see now. And now we have a colorful box. So once you see it in store, you're like, okay, this is what I need to do different. I need to make this better on the box. I need to make this more vibrant in this color. Um, things like that. And in terms of branding, um, you just need to make sure uh, we're still not even at the level we want to be at yet. Like some people walk past a crossnet and they don't know, they don't, one, they don't know what a crossnet is. Two, if they do know a crossnet, they don't know how to play properly. So that's the next steps and challenges for us that we're taking the next, you know, in the, moving forward from here on out is to really brand it and make sure people know how to play cross net. Like they would know how to play, pick up a basketball and play basketball. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously a big way to do that would be through social media, but how, and if people are following your social media accounts, they probably already know how to play. So how are you, what's your strategy for teaching people that are unfamiliar with it to get, be familiar with it? Yeah. So that comes with like the school systems as well. Um, so if they, someone ran a person sees on the beach, we're going to try to put a QR code on, on the net so they can scan it, get the rules right there. Um, if not, make it an easier process when, they, when they're checking out going to our website. So you see your ad, boom, you know how to play it. It's, it's embedded in your head. Uh, and then on the school side, um, we're really getting into a lot more schools lately, um, inside or outside. And they're learning how to play fundamentals, uh, do fundamentals of volleyball on a cross net and then eventually play cross net. So it's in the curriculum. Um, a lot of gym teachers set it up different ways. They, they just play volleyball on it and do forms, bump set spike, or they'll play cross net and learn the rules of cross net and actually challenge each other with like four different nets around the gym classes, which is awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible for you guys because not only are you getting sales for the schools, but I mean, kids are learning it from a young age. So those are going to be customers for a long time. So was that, was the school thing, like targeting schools, was that like a priority of your guys'? Is that something that just kind of happened and you saw an opportunity and you went for it? No, it's definitely a priority for us. Um, we definitely want to hit all markets. We can, we have a bunch of markets, whether that's little kids in the schools, the moms playing with their families, the shirtless teens playing at the beach, sweaty, you know, like um, there's a tons of markets and the volleyball players themselves. So there's, there's tons of markets. We want to get it introduce this to, to kids young um, so they know how to play cross net for the long haul. Gotcha. So for the beginning of getting to that point to get in the schools, the retailers, like I said, it started online. Was it something that you had to like cold call these businesses or like send emails or call and like kind of prove your brand online and be like, look, this would do good in your store. What was that process like? Yeah. So this, this is a good lesson for everyone, I guess. It, you want to make a product, a brand um, until they come to you. Um, we haven't reached out to anyone really. I'm sure some of us, we don't have a sales team. We have nothing like that. So um, they come to us, we make a product. Um, they see it online, they reach out to us. Um, if Sometimes we'll reach out to people um, and, and hit them up first. If we see them, you know, like on a social media or something. Um, but a lot of times we, we try to, you know, introduce it organically. So they come to us. Gotcha. So it's like, they're, they're getting one more of the benefit. Yes. Gotcha. So you guys started is just three people in the business growing which funded yourself which is awesome so you guys still own 100% of the whole company correct correct nice and so obviously with growth I'm sure you've guys have had to hire people at some point how big is your team now yeah so we've grown um, to 11 employees now um, in the past six months 
um, six months ago, we had one other employee. Um, so it's really cool, really cool to see our growth. It's been crazy the last six months because I've just been onboarding people and like learning, just talking to them and getting to know them, you know, um, while we're going through this chaos of coronavirus and quarter four and our growth going crazy. So it's been a lot um, to take in, but our team is amazing right now. Everyone, our culture is amazing. Um, we all work remote. We meet on FaceTime. We go on trips together. Um, we do we do some fun stuff. So how do you uh, how do you find the people you want to hire? Is it just from the, your personal network, or do you use like LinkedIn or one of those sources? Yeah, majority of our teams are personal network. Um, we just hired a supply chain manager. Um, shout out Kurt. He's been amazing. He's the only one off of LinkedIn I think we hired, um, but he's been amazing so far, helping us route trucks, do Dick's Sporting Goods, all the stuff that I don't even ever want to look at. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that would be like, like the biggest headache for you guys just because your product is literally so huge and weighs a ton it takes up a lot of space and now yeah. you guys have so you have you hold inventory in california yeah we have our own warehouse now um, we just shut down our connecticut warehouse we ship everything to escondido california right now okay and that's i'm sure where most of your customers are is by the beach in southern california or in like south florida yeah it's funny yeah i mean if you look at our analytics we have top customers in utah and in texas and like midwest states so it's very odd um we're still learning our geographic um of of sales but yeah utah kills it for us um obviously california florida um a lot of new england states we're, we're pretty worldwide right now we got people in alaska ordering it um it's freezing out there yeah that was going to be uh my next question is for expansion is there plans to go outside of the u.s and if so like what are those challenges to try and break into new markets with a whole different culture yeah, exactly. So we just expanded into the UK, Australia. Um, we're huge in Canada. They've shown us love since day one. Um, we have a distributor in Kuwait now, um, just random countries to most, like Kuwait. Um, so we're looking to expand more into those, at, but we want to, you know, adapt and get used to our current countries like UK and Australia and capitalizing them first and then scale those and then branch out. Um, a lot of it comes organically. So you don't want to like force, force it and try to find someone um, you push it out there, let someone who's genuinely interested in your company and your brand and loves it um, come to you. And then, you know, you have a good chemistry, good team. Um, they order bulk and the rest is history. You help them out, they help us. Exactly. Like people that have seen or played it before and like, why can't I have this in my country? How do I get it? Exactly. So you have expansion in other countries, but I see you also have expansion for other products. So you have a pool version that kind of floats and you can play in the pool. And then you have a doubles version, which is like twice as big. So you can play as like a team. What's been the, the challenge of trying to get a new product out there that's kind of maybe like a pool and like a new customer base? And how's the reaction been on those new, new expansions? Yeah, so we're looking to, you know, continue to scale our current CrossNet, our CrossNet original baby, you know, just one on one on one on one. But then we've also added some SKUs in the past year um, for physical education classrooms indoors so you can play with the indoor bases um, so you can play inside. We also added a doubles version, which is great for the CrossNet sport itself when it comes to like competitive competitiveness and like team oriented. So you can play two, one, two, one, two, and two. Um, volleyball players really love that. So they can bump set, spike it to their, to their opponents and use their teammates to their advantage. Um, and then we also added our H2O model, which is for the pool. Um, that's also in the works and that's also like at a pre-order stage. So we only have exclusive like 100 left, I believe. And then we're gonna relaunch it next summer. Um, make it even better. 
Gotcha. So you've obviously played all three versions. Which one's more fun for you? I like the singles version. I don't like relying on teammates or anything. Um, but if you ask a lot of people, they love the doubles um, just for the team aspect of it. Yeah, because I guess you're bringing in more um, like actual volleyball players at same skill set. Yeah. So- and there's more space. It's not. It's less of like the OG four square feel. Um, yeah. You get more more space, so it's cool. Gotcha. So, I guess when I first saw cross and I'm sure you've had this comparison before. It seems similar to spike ball, just like not only in I mean even the color scheme of the product. I don't. Know, I was going to ask if you guys have any like if you guys liked that game before. But the reason I bring that up is now I see spike ball like on tournaments on ESPN. that has gotten like a big competitive environment. Do you guys plan to get into that or just let it happen organically? Yeah. I mean, that's something we're obviously shooting for. We're still young, early stages of our cross net careers. Um, we grew up playing can jam inspired by can jam. We know spike ball is a great game too. Um, Got to pay our respects to, you know, all the beach games out there. Um, that's something we're looking to, you know, take, take over in, in the in the near future um, whether that's competitive on tv um, team oriented we have a lot of different um, routes we can take when, when, whether it's family oriented competitiveness um, we feel like we have a, a big aspect um, in all all areas gotcha so last couple of questions is just going forward obviously i know there's a lot of plans and growth so the last so your first your first year in sales, you guys had $75,000 in sales. And in your second year, you put over 2 million. So what, what changed? How was, how did you get that big of a jump? Um, I think we just really started capitalizing on social media, on Facebook ads. Um, we had a few viral videos that, you know, um, took off for us and we ended up running them on Facebook, scaling them big time, um, spending thousands of dollars a day on Facebook ads, um, really getting a customer base, some loyalty. And then obviously, getting attention from wholesalers. So everything just kind of happened at once, trickled in Facebook ads, cranked them up. And then we got sellers that, you know, that really wanted to push us. So a bunch of big deals going on. And you're still growing and growing and growing. And obviously you want to keep going down that. Is there specific milestones that you guys are really striving to hit going forward? Or is it just more about just the everyday growth? Yeah. I mean, it's always about the everyday growth, but we definitely have milestones and in regards to to the crossnet sport itself, we want to you know get in all in all the physical education curriculums around the United States, and then also expand internationally and take the sport to where it really can be because you know volleyball's not even as popular in other countries. I mean, as in the United States, as in other countries. So, gotcha. So you'd say it's not quite where you think it can be in your mind when you say that. Where is this, what would be like an accomplishment that would make you say like, yes, this is where it could be is it like being an official like sport somewhere or, or what is it yeah once we have leagues and and teams around the countries around the around the country you know every state has their own um best players best ranking systems tournaments monthly um co- competitive once the competitive nature comes from it then that's when our sport will really take over gotcha yeah. all right so so last question so look looking back on your whole journey from that time you were guys sitting in your mom's basement watching ESPN coming up with the idea to now going international and having over projected a 10 to 15 million in sales this year looking back how much of that do you think you can chalk up to luck and how much do you think of that is uh you can is more of like hard work yeah I get this asked all the time um we knew what we were doing since the beginning we knew this product was going to hit 10 million 15 million yeah 
$5. We knew what we were going to do. Um, I think it's more of um, luck when it comes to the time of it and how it's expanded so, so rapidly, so quick. I don't think any of us expected to be at this number um, in, in year three. Um, but it, it's, it's taken us by surprise. But we knew we were going to get here. Just didn't know the time about it. That's awesome. That's a good way to look at it. Um, well, that's all, all I got for you. If there's anything else you want to add, let the, if not, let the people know where they can find your product or find you or on social media or whatever. Yeah, you can go to crossnetgame.com. You can shop there. You can also go into Dick's Sporting Goods, shop on Walmart, Target, um, any big box store. Hopefully, we'll be in there. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you so much for coming on. Um, I, I'm looking forward. I've actually never even played the game, but now I, I've seen it on the beach. And next time I do, I'm going to stop by or maybe even get a set myself when I'm down in San Diego. All right, cool. Stop by. We'll be there. All right. Appreciate you, man. All right, later. This episode of Willing to Fail is sponsored by Manscaped. I know you've heard the name. I know you've seen their product everywhere, but I'm telling you from someone who's used it, it's worth it. Their Lawnmower 3.0 is the best electric razor I've ever used. It's even got this little headline on it, which you wouldn't think you would need for men's grooming, but I actually just use it for my face and it's the best razor, no razor burn, no nothing. So I use that. I use their body wash. I use their cologne. They got it all. So go to manscaped.com, use the code WTF stats for 20% off and free shipping. That's WTF stats.